and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. It's cold outside, guys. It's cold outside. <laughs> yeah, I it's just, three think... degrees out and it feels like minus 17 here. Yeah, and we're racing towards that here in North Texas. Uh, it has been uh, it, it has been giving us wintry weather since about Thursday. It's been cold all week, but it dropped below freezing and started giving us freezing rain and drizzle and uh, you know, we big big pileups on Interstate 35. I don't know if you saw that news. Something like 133 cars involved oh. in, a, in a in a wow in a car wreck on uh, Interstate 35, just north of Fort Worth. It you know we are not built for this kind of weather in North Texas. I don't know if you recall when we hosted the Super Bowl here. That's a sports ball match. Um, it snowed and snowed and snowed, and we don't own that kind of equipment here. I mean, we sand the roads because we're used to the ice. Uh, but we don't have anything to clear the roads, so we had to ship in the uh, snow plows and whatnot from Lubbock, Texas, up in the, the panhandle. And uh, I, I imagine we may be doing that later in the week because uh, we're, we're in this part of Texas, we're supposed to get somewhere between three and seven inches of snow. Oh. And that is catastrophic here in North Texas. And, you know, normally when we get snow, it's gone by noon because the sun comes out and it warms up. But we're not due to get above freezing until next weekend. So it's a whole nother week before we get above freezing. Uh, all that said, we have changed the name of this podcast to Weather with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> Cold as hell with Aaron and Polly. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're warning us in the news. And it's been a long time since we had this kind of warning that, you know, hey, you might lose power. You know, because either ice on the lines or, uh, you know, a tree hits your line. And, you know, Paul, you know, we got lots of trees in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. And I'm like, fuck. So You're like, the I hell I am. <laughs> I have been charging every single external battery I've got. Uh, you know, because I can keep us warm with the fireplace. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I'm like, I've got to have some media. So I'm downloading shit. I mean, I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> you didn't run out to I Home Depot just, to get a generator? I can't just sit here in my, uh, you know, fire lit home, uh, <laughs> you know, for however many days it takes ERCOT to come out and fix my, uh, my power. <laughs> just saying, Paul. <laughs> no, I, 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 trust me, if anyone knows, I, I am one of those, I get irrationally mad, irrationally mad when my power goes out. Um, uh-huh. I'm like, God damn it. Really now there's nothing out. to do. Like, it could be broad daylight outside, <laughs> 70 degrees and beautiful. Right, right. And I just get irrationally mad. So, well, you know, growing I, up, I grew up outside of town, like up on a hill. And there were only a couple houses up there. So if the power went out, we weren't first priority. Mm-hmm. And my parents still live there. So I worry about them when, you know, there are things that take, can take the power out. But we would sometimes go for maybe five days without power when it would go out. Versus where I live now, I'm a block away from the substation. So if the power goes out, I've never had it stay out for more than an hour before they rush out and fix things. My next door neighbor is on a different grid than the rest of the block is. So when our block goes down, her house is still lit up like a Christmas tree. And I mean, you have never heard so much grumbling when we all wander out of our houses and we all you, you can look at the in, other side of the cul-de-sac and see her brightly lit home. And you're like, motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, when the zombie apocalypse comes, everyone's going to her house. <laughs> yeah, I'm just envisioning it like an like the old Twilight Zone episode. Uh-huh. 
I just see all of you come out, but you're all in black and white, and you're uh-huh. staring over at the one house that's lit. And uh-huh. then well, you... and, and and as we're trying to force our way in, are you gonna bring your own air, Aaron? Are you gonna bring your own air? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After about an hour, the lynch mob is there with pitchforks, and you're like, "Who has pitchforks in Texas in that's the right. middle?" Of... That's right. But they're in there. The yeah. Oh yeah. And, and torches. Yeah. The whole schmear. It's zombie apocalypse is what it's going to be. <laughs> now that we've lost all of our listeners talking about the weather. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic weather with Aaron and With Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yesterday, um, Disney had its quarterly earnings call. Which, you know, everyone anticipated... Uh, yesterday at the time of this recording... Everyone anticipated that we would get some news on Black Widow, right? Whether it would be theatrical release or Disney Plus release or delayed or whatever. Um, And coming out of that call, they specifically said they're still eyeing a theatrical release for Black Widow in May of this year. That's crazy. Yeah. Kevin Feige has come out multiple times and said that that's what he's pushing for. That uh, if he has any power at all, this will not release on Disney Plus at the same time. Which, I feel like we're going to get a compromise. I feel like Black Widow is coming out in May, in theaters. I, I, mm-hmm. I you know, I, they, they say they have until mid-March to make a, a judgment call. Uh, I feel like Black Widow will be coming out this May in movie theaters, and then a month later on Disney Plus. You know, Wayne, I saw your remark in our chat yesterday that said, you know, you've got no desire to watch a movie with a mask on. Yeah. Um, And that's me. You know, they they, they're doing I don't know if they're doing this elsewhere in the country, but here in Texas, Cinemark is, you know, you can buy a private screening where it can be you, you know, you're all by yourself or you and up to 20 of your closest friends see a movie together. Yep, ninety nine dollars at one yeah. of our theaters. Yeah, and, and you know that's re- it's really not a bad deal. In fact, you know my anniversary was uh, just yesterday, and I was thinking, you know, maybe, maybe Suzanne and I'll, you know, maybe I'll 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 do a uh, you know some rom com or something, and she and I'll go see a movie, you know, uh, for ninety nine dollars, and they they range up to like one hundred and fifty. But I was like looking at the fine print, and you're you've got to wear a mask through the whole thing, even though you're all alone in the theater. You got to wear a mask. I'm like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> I do not want to sit in a theater and with a mask on for two hours. That just sounds awful. And yeah, that's I, that's what May will be. You know, yeah. May, May is you know, we're not going to get out of, of mask restrictions until well after July, in my opinion. Um, you know, till well after everyone's immunized and we've seen the you know hospitalization rates go way down. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I am not interested in that. I think most people aren't. Yeah, I mean, if it were a movie that I absolutely was dying to see, I still wouldn't go. And this isn't one of those movies. This might have been one of those movies if it came out during, like, Marvel Phase 2 or 3. You know, back when they had really were building up the character. But after Endgame and after seeing the trailers, this isn't one I'm excited about anyway. So I'm not going to pay for a sub, you know, a suboptimal experience watching the movie. Yeah. Now, I might buy it on, like, if they put it on Disney Plus but added a fee for it, 
I'm I still might get it that way. I will tell well, you. That I sorry, Aaron. I didn't mean to cut no, you. Go ahead. If they put it on Disney Plus for thirty bucks, because that's the Disney Plus price point they put on Mulan and the upcoming Raya movie. If they put it on Disney Plus for thirty bucks, I'm I'm actually doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I know thirty yeah. bucks is a lot for most people, and you know that, that that's a price point that most people don't agree with. But for Black Widow, I'd pay the thirty bucks. Yeah, same, same. Though I I wish Disney Plus would you know emulate HBO Max a little bit more, where they put it on their streaming service for thirty days. Yeah, and it's and it's included in your price. I don't want to call it free because you are paying for the service, but it's in, it's you know baked into your price. I, uh, I I wish Disney Plus would move that way, but you know Disney Plus is big enough they can do whatever the hell they want to. Yeah. yeah. You know I um, I feel like in the end, it's um, I th- like I said I think the the compromise here is theatrical release for you know four to six weeks, Disney Plus release for a month, and then on demand after that. Yeah. You know, I, I, the theatrical know. release is going to be a flop. They're it not is. going to make any kind of. They're not even yeah. going to come close yeah. to making what they paid for the movie That's with right. a theatrical release at this time. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. So I, I don't know. But I'm surprised they haven't delayed it because they've delayed everything else. Like there's. Yep. I don't know why they're holding fast on that one. Um, maybe because despite the fact I, that Kevin Feige wants it theatrical, it's not vital to for that well, one to succeed. Well, and I think that maybe he's holding on to it because he wants it to be a big deal because it took him so stinking long to make a Black Widow film. Yeah. You know, when they should have made a Black Widow film back when they were making an Ant-Man film. You know, I that's what's that's what I think might be motivating that is that he wants Black Widow to be big. And I think you've got to reimagine what big looks like right now. Yeah. You know, well, uh, and I, I, sorry. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Oh, I was going to say, I think one of the things that may be a reason they're holding on it in that time frame is that maybe it somehow connects to the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Mm. You know, from a timing standpoint, you know, it would release during the airing of that show. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, maybe there's there's some type of connection there, and that's why they're hesitant to delay it. I don't know. Can that, we... that was my thought on it, is I think it's tied to something that's going to come out TV-wise that would be a spoiler or just otherwise mess with the, the continuity, which is going to happen because people aren't going to be watching this movie. Well, I, I think you come down to a do or die sort of situation because they've held so much back from 2020, you know, that didn't come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the release schedule is nuts. There's just no room for a lot of these, you know, big motion pictures. So, I mean, you know, if you're going to release, you got to release, you know, in May, whatever. Um I want to transition into how hot was that Falcon and Winter Soldier spot in the Super Bowl because Yowza. That was super hot. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the show quite a bit and I love that it's coming right after WandaVision. That I, we're not gonna have a huge gap. I was always interested in the show, but I wasn't hot for the show until I saw the trailer. Yeah, the trailer was, was amazing. Like, Holy crap, that looks awesome. It it it, it is it looks very much 
you know, like a movie that is the sequel to Winter Soldier, Civil War, and now Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's what it feels like. I mean, that the, you know, between the actors that they have um, and the the special effects, and it, it just it looks like a theatrical movie. And it does. I am I am super psyched for it. Yeah, I mean, it's the the production value on these MCU shows appear. Uh, to be of theatrical quality. I mean, that's certainly what we've experienced in WandaVision. It looks like what's in store with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm super excited. I, you know, I thought, yeah, it'll be something to watch on, on Friday. Now I'm like, God, I need that show now. <laughs> I know. Well, we have four more <laughs> weeks, right? Because we have three more weeks of WandaVision after last night's airing of episode six. Um, you know, a very special Halloween 90s episode of WandaVision. And uh, so we've got three more weeks. So did we? have we all seen WandaVision this week? Yes, sir. Yeah. I thought, I mean, you know, it, I think there were some good mystery slash Easter egg elements that were revealed. I mean, I don't know that they're, you know, it, it's it's another solid episode of WandaVision, you know? Yeah. I think the reason I don't have anything to say about it is actually the ending. So I thought about it. It's like all of these big things happen. All of these huge conversations happen. But the ending just felt abrupt to me. Like previous episodes, the ending was were all things where immediately I wanted to come talk to you guys about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were things that, you know, got you pumped to talk to people. This ending didn't do that for me. And I think that's why I just don't have that same excitement to talk about it. The episode while watching it was incredible. And there were all of these Easter eggs and everything happening. And it was really a it was a great episode. But the ending didn't have that punch that the previous two or three have. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. It certainly didn't have that holy shit sort of moment. But it sure does feel like, I mean, you know, knowing what we know about these characters in the comic books and the stories in the comic books, it sure does feel like we're headed towards a lasting altered reality sort of event Agreed. you know yeah is that bringing in mutants to, to you know is that a full merger of the fox properties into disney which is what i think it's going to be uh is it resetting the table you know what is it going to be I, it it feels like that's coming based on what we know from the stories on which this is based and uh in the meta world what disney needs to do with these properties so I, I'm, I'm really excited about it and i love I love how those two things are converging into what's what's a great, great story. Though I, I spoilers, I felt I felt bad for you, Wayne, because you know Darcy got left, you know, handcuffed to the back of the pickup, and uh, it, it doesn't look good for Darcy. And I just I, I, I just love the Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, see, I can't wait to see what. Uh, what she looks like in whatever sitcom that she gets pulled into. I'm really hoping that she becomes like a restaurant waitress because that <laughs> would abuse the hell it, out of me. But I watched look, an interview. So I watched an interview with her this week that got me all super pumped. She was talking about uh, Kat Denning, the actress that plays her. Was, uh, they asked her the question, is she in Thor 4? And her answer was, it's filming right now and I'm not there. So I think the answer is no. But she let it drop that she has marvel properties mm-hmm. that she has done work for right coming up at right. least two that she can't name what they are and that got me immediately speculating okay what's she going to be in if she's not in thor then is she going to be in captain or is she going to be in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness maybe 
Because that would make sense. Yeah. And wondering what else. The same thing between her and the actor that plays uh, Jimmy Woo have both been asked about the potential of a spinoff for them doing the... Agents like, of Atlas. Well, they didn't name Agents of Atlas, but they called it like X-Files version of the Marvel Universe where they're going around solving the strange stories. Basically, Agents of Atlas. Right. Yeah, well, and I do know that there is a pitch out there. There's a director, Stephen Sean Ford. Um, you know, he's worked on shows like Teen Wolf and, <clears throat> and things like that, who has, uh, who's posted this week that he has submitted a pitch for an Agents of Atlas uh, tel- spinoff show um, yeah, starring Jimmy Both, Wu. Both actors, uh, the guy that plays Jimmy Wu and Kat Denny, have said they are incredibly excited about the idea of, you know, if there is a show, they're both excited and signed on for it. So that, I think, is exciting. I think they would probably bring Monica Rambeau into it as well. which would well, be- and, and, and that's where I was about to go. It looks like, you know, Monica Rambeau is about to get her light powers, right? Yeah. Because they were talking about how, you know, every time you go through the hex, it does something to, you know, your, your DNA. Yours are changing you, you shouldn't go through it again. And we know she's about to go through it again. Uh, I, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. Now, we know she won't be Captain Marvel as she was in the comics. I'm curious as to what she'll be in uh, in the MCU. Might so, be Photon. Yeah. yeah. So there's two questions I want to ask. Well, two things I want to mention here in, in reference to WandaVision. One... Monica Rambeau last week, you know, displayed that she doesn't even that she has some animosity towards Captain Captain Marvel, um, you know, and her mother died of cancer. And I feel like those two things are connected somehow. Right. I feel like maybe Captain Marvel's irradiation may have resulted in oh. her mother's cancer. I hadn't thought about that. Nor, that would nor had make I. Sense. Um, which would which would make sense as to why she's a little weird about talking about Captain Marvel, yeah, and why Captain Marvel has you know been away from Earth for years, yeah. and you know there's, I, I feel like there's some type of connection there. Interesting. Um, and two, you know, Monica Rambeau. These are both Monica Rambeau points. At Monica Rambeau's astrophysicist friend. Do you? Because they keep moving the cheese, so I feel like it's not going to be a it's going to be a reveal of some kind do you guys feel as if the answer of who this character is is reed richards yes i do (laughs) or do you feel like it's blue marvel Hmm. i thought about blue marvel but i mean i feel like that's not you know that's not a reveal that's going to get people excited except us i like blue marvel Um, yeah that's that's my thing for it is the way it's been put out, we know it's a guy because she says he. Yeah, she does say he. And it, I think it has to be a character. The way they're pushing it off and setting it up, it's going to be a major cameo. And we know there's going to be a major cameo left based on actors' interviews. So it's going to be something huge. I Reed Richards would be perfect for it. I think it would be a great way to introduce him. I would be super psyched. I don't know if he'll have powers or not at that point if they do introduce him. But it also could be any of the scientists that we've seen in like most of them aren't astrophysicists though. Like Yeah. If Banner shows up, he's not an astrophysicist. You know, if uh uh Pym shows up, he's not astrophysicist. 
Pimps Maybe not anything, it's, right? Maybe, not it's doom. maybe it's maybe, doom. It could be. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I'm very. I, I think that. I think we'll finally get the answer to that next week. Like the, now, either, it's been two episodes of delay. Do either of you listen to the podcast Planet Money? No, no, no. So it's an it's an economics podcast. You know, it just talks about you know why things work the way they do. Mm-hmm. And they did an episode yesterday that was right up our alley, and it was a it was about the uh, the finances and economics of intellectual properties as related to comic book superheroes. And they were talking about, you know, like, well, let's go buy a superhero from one of these companies and see what we can do. And, and frequently that's what they'll do is they'll, they'll put money in a, in, in a pot and then they'll go and do it. So like at Christmas time, they did a, they did a Christmas tree farm thing where they you know went and bought a certain amount of Christmas trees and then sold them in on the streets of Brooklyn uh, and just to show how that those economics worked, and so they they tried to do that, knowing that Marvel would talk to them because <laughs> they were trying to buy uh, <laughs> the the superhero Doorman, who you know, uh, in case you didn't know, becomes a door that people can go through. Wow, yeah, that's that's it. that you know they're like we're, we're going to buy an obscure character from Marvel and see what we can do with it because you know and then we could we can we can make T-shirts, we can make video games. You know they're running down all the things they can do. Anyway, it's it's it's. It's a lot of fun. You know, I know it sounds really dry. It's about economics, but it is a terrific podcast. If you've never listened to it, uh, check out Planet Money. It's from NPR. Uh, it, it, I, I think if, you, if you're if you're uh, listening to our podcast, this one is certainly right up your alley. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. My podcast listening has drastically gone down during the pandemic because I would always listen in the car, and I'm not in the car. I listen to a lot during the day. I listen to a lot of news in the background. And then, you know, in my off hours, I listen to entertainment stuff. But uh, I, I, I think my podcast listening has actually increased. Because, yeah, I usually listen in the car. But, you know, because I'm I'm home all the time, I spend a lot of time out in the backyard and I listen to it then. I don't, know. I don't anyway. listen to podcasts much anyway. Well, <laughs> <laughs> For confession time. Um so anyway, looking forward next week, you know, uh, we'll definitely continue our conversations about WandaVision. But, you know, hopping over to the DC side of the fence, lots of DC comic news came out this week. Uh, you know, mostly because DC's uh, solicitations, May? Yeah, May solicitations, I think, um, have been released. And, you know, leading up to that, they, they make a bunch of announcements, you know, that just to get folks going and and now we're kind of getting a better sense of where dc's going with its upcoming infinite frontiers and their publishing um you know so a couple of things were announced this week including digital first releases for a number of titles including the milestone relaunch batman legends of the dark knight and the upcoming justice league last ride miniseries um that they would all be released digital first uh, you know, to I guess to I don't know get maybe get the word out there or or something like that prior to print. Uh, so I think that's an interesting you know concept, and now we're seeing even more embracing of that digital space, especially in the DC world. Yeah, and I am super excited for the new Batman series, The Legends of the Dark Knight, because I loved the original. Maybe not every issue, but more I loved more than I disliked. 
Mm-hmm. And there were some great storylines that ran through that. Well, and my, yeah, I know we're all excited about Milestone. Um, you know, they, the, the the Milestone relaunch has been pushed off a little bit. Uh, but it's starting... Which drives... I, I feel like they continue to move my cheese around <laughs> Milestone. That's that's the word of the day. The, the, yeah. Know, that we, they keep moving the cheese. <laughs> you know, Milestone Returns issue zero. We've already read as part of the DC fandom, but they're going to be re-releasing it with the, called the Infinite Edition with 24 pages of new material from Reginald, Reginald Hudlin, Dennis Cowan, Bill Sienkiewicz, and more. Um, you know, they've also announced that the three books launching initial books launching out of earth m the milestone universe will be static um and icon and rocket and another one that isn't loading right now um but but, you know hardware hardware yes hardware now hardware continues to have the original creative team or the, the the creative team of dennis cowan and bill sienkiewicz static and um icon and rocket they're saying you know they will announce the creative team, you know, reannounce the creative teams at a later date because they were originally announced with, um, with with creative teams, and now it seems like uh, like Static was going to be Reginald Hutland and Kyle Baker, Icon and Rocket was going to be Hutland and Dennis Cowan, and you know if I were to say that Reginald Hutland seems to be the one contributing factor to the two books that are going to have reannounced creative teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, perhaps something has happened there, or I, I don't know. I feel like he, he has really moved into, uh, you know, Dwayne McDuffie really was the driving force behind mm-hmm. Milestone, uh, and of course, you know, after his passing, I think there's been sort of a void there, which is, I think, a lot of the reason why we weren't seeing much movement in Milestone, and I think Reggie Hudlin has really stepped into that, uh, and while he is not the writer that uh, Dwayne McDuffie was. I think that he is a lot of the creative energy behind this new push at uh, Milestone. I agree. Um, you know, I'm, so obviously, so Static will launch digitally in April, um, Icon and Rocket digitally in June, and then Hardware digitally in August. So, but it all starts in May with the Milestone Returns issue zero, um, you know, reprint. So, you know, obviously excited, but it, it it is definitely releasing a little later than originally intended, and yeah. I've got to imagine. That, you know, based on the fact that creative teams appear to be changing, it's probably something happened there. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is, I think because of that, DC is missing a major press opportunity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If they would have taken that, uh, the Milestone Issue Zero re-release, released that in February, they could have got mainstream media coverage that they may not get. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. They would have hit the audiences that they wouldn't normally have gotten by doing it that way. You know, in February. Yeah, there, there would have been there would have been a lot of uh, synergy there around messaging that I don't think they'll pick up. But, you know, I, I'm always down for Milestone. Oh, I'm yeah. Always down. For yeah. It. Um, I, and one of the things I'm curious about is there is a for me, there is a big difference between the character that was in the, the static shock book versus the character that was in the static uh um, TV show and then the comic book that followed that. I'm really curious as to what they will do with the character in the new static book. Honestly, uh, my hope is that they do a blend. Mm-hmm. I think the cartoon created an audience that the comic Absolutely. that is separate of the comic. Mm-hmm. I think the comic had its own audience and feel to it. 
They also brought Static into Young Justice, and they did a good job with him there. I think what they need to do is look at all three versions of Static, take the best of each one for their new representation, mm-hmm. and go from there. Try to get all three audiences tied into the character. You know, I think I there know. are some things that the original comic did much better than the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think they, there are some things the cartoon did way better than the original comic. Yeah. And I'd like to see that blend. I would too. I would too. I'm I'm very curious as to what their take will be. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward. You know, we we I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to much like Wayne, Legends of the Dark Knight. Um, you know that that original series is without that original Legends of the Dark Knight series, we wouldn't have had Bane. You know, we we you know that 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 original Legends of the Dark Knight series um, that started in 1989 had. Denny O'Neill, Grant Morrison, Mike Barr, Doug Mensch, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, Claus Jansen, just, you know, a, a murderer's row of, of talent. Um, and the new series seems to be following suit. Uh, the first arc is going to be written and drawn by Derek Robertson, um, you know, from The Boys and, and many, many, many other things, uh, you know, and, and that will launch digitally first, um, I think, in April with print starting in May. Um, you know, they, they, DC's also got Justice League Last Ride, which is written by Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. Um, which I think is is pretty cool. I like Chip Zdarsky. Um, you know, he wrote you know, that um, Invaders series that we really liked. Yeah. yeah. What I am super excited about is Jeff Johns coming back to Stargirl. Yeah. Now that, you know, is not digital first. That's just coming out in print in May. But, you know, Jeff Johns and Todd Nauk are going to be doing a, uh, and I a Stargirl one shot. I do too. Todd Nauk. I, I follow him on Instagram. I love his work. He is, uh, he is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, lots of, lots of fun stuff coming out from DC in the coming months. Um, you know, post future state as we get into infinite frontier. Now, future state continues to be published uh, every week uh, for better or worse. Uh, but I think we're, we're in the final month, right? We're in the final month of, of future state. Um, you know, some books are releasing their second and final issues. Some books that were bi-weekly still have another issue to go, including uh, dark detective issue three came out um, this past week. Wayne and I, uh, I think we've, I think we've determined that dark detective is our favorite future state book. Does that oh, hold yeah, true in issue far. three? Yeah, by far. One of the things that's confusing me about these future state books is how many issues each one gets, because some books have been are one issue, some books are two issue. Robin Eternal was three issue, oh. and Dark Detective is, as far as I know, four issues. Yeah. So it's like for each of these books, I don't know how many issues they expect to come out. I, you know, I, fair fair point. I feel like it would be it would make it a lot easier if you just put it on the freaking cover. Said issue yes. three or four. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we don't do that anymore. Yeah, it, it is odd that we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, one Somebody of the things made the decision that it that it makes the middle books hard to sell. Yeah, you know, I think right. I think that's what it, what it was, and I disagree. I there are so many books where I'm like, I don't know where to pick up this story because they don't number the books right, mm-hmm. you know, and consequently, I just won't pick them up. Perhaps it's intentional vagueness for the sake of avoiding people waiting for the trade. Maybe, uh, you know, if you're if you're just come walking across and you see issue three, you're like, okay, well, I'll pick up issue one and two. If you know there's only one issue left. Perhaps you'll wait for the trade. 
And maybe that's for them to go on sale on Comixology. For them to go on sale, <laughs> which I gotta say, uh, you know, I know Aaron, you're waiting for it. Pick up this series when it goes on sale. This series is fantastic, and Wayne, this creative team of Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora will be the creative team on Detective Comics in Infinite Frontier. So, oh, then I'm giving them a shot. You're damn right. I'm going to give that book a shot. This book has been so good. This issue, we saw him get confronted by the uh, the new Batman, or was it the next Batman? The next Batman, or yeah, the next Batman. Yeah. And the speech that he gives everyone about just go home, he gets from this new Batman. Yeah. It, you know, the, the thing about this, um, this Bruce Wayne is it's very, it's interesting because it, it's a bit, you know, it, when you read the first issue of the book, it's a different Bruce Wayne than we're used to. It's a different Bruce Wayne than I've really ever seen. Um, you know, he's a lot more talkative uh then you know most bruce wayne's he's he's got some humor behind him um and, you know and in this different world you know he he's kind of a a broken bruce wayne a low rent bruce wayne right you know operating yeah. out of someone's basement but it works so well uh, I, I just love really his love his interaction book. with the uh the guy he's staying with daughter mm-hmm. you know ba- she keeps calling him on his uh letting her father's paranoia continue Mm -hmm. and this paranoia is incredibly useful for bruce yeah it's just a really really great series and you know it is the only future state book i continue to pick up um you know there there are wonder woman only wonder woman just ended so it's not like i canceled all of the books but yeah um you know it's the only one that that really for me continues to be uh quality and Wayne, you're, you're picking up that Robin Eternal. Uh, how was that? Uh, last issue of that came out this week. The series was not good, but it had oh. Tim Drake and uh, you know Stephanie Brown in it. So I forced myself through it just because of how much I love those characters. But no, it, it wasn't a good series. And it, I see where they were going with it. Like they were setting it up for a immortal robin that's gone through the lazarus pit Mm. with tim drake and it's just like i think they missed some of the important things about some of these characters that has been my complaint about all the future state books that i've read you know with the exception of maybe wonder woman um i feel like they're missing opportunities they're not telling the right stories uh, I, I, I'm just—I I have been frustrated, particularly with the Superman books, that you know, why aren't you, why aren't you focusing your lens on the interesting part of the story versus the story you're telling me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been the story frustrated. they set up here wasn't a bad story. It just the execution didn't work. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, I, I feel like Future State. I feel like I'll pick up some of these books when they go on sale for a buck. Some of the ones yeah. that I was curious about but burned by some of the ones right. I did pick up. So I'm like, screw it, uh, I'm not paying. Yeah, no, that's not what I'm doing. What I'll do, the couple of them that I'm curious about, I'm going to wait till they show up on uh, Universe. DC Universe. Yeah. That's my plan. Read, read them there. That's a yeah. fair point. Well, and I, I got to tell you, you know, because of DC uh, Universe Infinite, whatever the hell they're calling their app, you know, six months from publication date is when they're supposed to hit the app. Most of the things that I feel like I'm taking a chance on, I'm going to wait and get them in the app. 
Yeah, no, that's, make that, that makes sense. Make that seven ninety nine a month work for me. Well, you know, one of the things that um, that I picked up was the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, well, I'm sorry, I, let me. I'm jumping ahead. The I you know I, I joined Comicsology Unlimited, and you know it does pay for itself with the discounts and stuff. So you know, pretty cool. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm going to be picking up. I should say the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, current run. Um, you know, Aaron, you, you've said positive things about it yeah, yeah. and, you know, this week's announcement of, uh, the creative team or you know, new creative team, well, really just new artist, uh, joining Guardians of the Galaxy with issue 13, oh no, um, 15, no, 13, sorry, 13 in April with the new Guardians of the Galaxy team. Um, you know, they, they revealed the full team or I should say teams. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, uh, you know, that are coming out in May. And just the reveal of characters like the Super Scroll and Doctor Doom and Nova and Quasars, multiple Quasars. I- I'm just, I'm so excited. And oh, yeah. I haven't read a single issue of this run. It looks like a return to a more Dabnet and An- Anning Annie Landy Lanning and thank you yeah yeah it it seems like a return to that sort of storytelling and that has been very much the sense I've had on the uh on the book since Donny Cates uh had his run you know Mm -hmm. there has been a tone shift and I've I've very much enjoyed them I'm I cannot wait I I you know seeing the the group of characters that they've got you know in their Doctor Doom and the Guardians of the Galaxy oh my god that's crazy well let's hope he doesn't get his hands on an ultimate nullifier Jesus (laughs) and you got you got Richard Ryder Nova back I'm down the lineup looks amazing and I'm wondering do I need to read anything that's come out before I jump on board with this new lineup well, the first four issues are available on Comixology Unlimited to, to borrow, oh. so I'm going to go ahead and check out the first four issues. Hopefully they don't disappoint me to ruin my excitement, <laughs> since it's the same writer. Um, ruin my excitement. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I, I, this, the, you know, the cover by Brett Booth, um, the, cre- the, the, the team, like the, the actual characters i'm i'm super psyched for for what's coming up in guardians of the galaxy and you know i'm wondering if it's time if it's going to tie somehow to what's going on in eternals uh i picked up issue two despite the fact that issue one didn't blow my mind um you know but i knew aaron was going to pick it up and you know honestly i picked it up because of thanos uh you know so kieran gillen esad ribbick matthew wilson eternals issue two you know we, we've got Icarus versus Thanos and Aaron. What did you think? Well, you know, I I finished reading this and I'm like, man, I'm so I'm so bummed that Paul's not reading this book because you know Thanos is really a huge part of the story, even though he's not on the page over much, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The I, I we want we this book starts off with Icarus and Thanos fighting. And, you know, the the machine, the world machine that the Eternals, uh, you know, that's in the Eternal story is narrating the story, which I, I find a very interesting choice of narrator. Um, and, you know, I- Icarus is a, is a great, big, strong guy. But, you know, Thanos is worse. <laughs> and the book reminds you 
that Thanos is really an eternal, you know, he is an offshoot of the Eternals that, you know, his father mentor was a, uh, a an eternal who left uh, Olympia to go and found his own, you know, offshoot Eternals colony, which was deemed a failure and was deemed a failure because of Thanos. Um, and so, you know, really, you know, the Eternals are, are ultimately responsible for Thanos and they are freaked out when they find out that Thanos is in the house. I freaking loved this story. I loved, I, I loved how uh, the you know omniscient, you know omnipresent narrator is flawed, mm-hmm. and the the narrator admits that at times in the story. Um, I I really am enjoying Asad Ribic's take on the characters, um, and it's interesting to me because. Uh, you know, Icarus has always been drawn a certain way. You know, he doesn't have sort of classic, good-looking superhero sort of features. And the way Asad Ribic draws him makes him look so savage. Reminds me very much of uh, Darkseid's son, whose name... Orion. Uh, Orion. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was thinking the same. Yeah, it reminds me very much of him, that he's just got very harsh features. And, you know, Sprite... Uh, is also rather homely. You know, usually you know, your superhero women are all cute and pretty, right? And she's kind of homely. Um, I, I and I don't mean to, you know, <laughs> I don't mean to suggest that her features are her only characteristic or value. What I'm pointing out is that he is taking a very unique sort of stand in the way he's portraying these characters. And we know Asad Ribic can draw. Right. You know, he, he can he can draw the hell out of, out of, out of these characters. Um, these pages are gorgeous. They're beautiful. And there's so much going on. It's almost like you've got three different stories going on at a time because, you know, you've got the Thanos story going on. You've got this uh, this deep history of of uh, Icarus working with an indigenous culture. Right. And then you've got this other story about political machinations within the eternal society. And I just love the way all of this works. And it's so epic in the manner in which it's drawn. But yet it is also grounded in a strange, a strange word to use in the context of this book, humanity. I'm just fascinated by this book. And again, the overall threat from Thanos is tangible in this book. Because the, the the Eternals are completely set on their heels, more so than I feel like is often uh, included in an Avengers story when we're talking about Thanos or an equally devastating big bad. These guys feel, you know, because of the the broken machine, you know, they're used to this thing. It reminds me very much of Battlestar Galactica, maybe because I'm rewatching Battlestar Galactica. But it's it's like when the resurrection ship is destroyed in Battlestar Galactica and the silence arc. Well, fuck, I don't want to die now. You know, dying was fine before, but I don't want to die now. I don't want this to be the end. And that's very much where the Eternals are right now is, you know, the machine's broken. They won't necessarily resurrect. They don't want this to be the end. So they are absolutely, you know, freaked out about what's going on. I think this book is fantastic. It's by Kieran Gillen. Of course it was going to be fantastic. It's got Asad Ribic uh, drawn the hell out of this book. Of course it was going to be terrific. Okay, Paul, tell me what you thought. 
I really like this issue. Yay! Um, I really, you know, I, you know, I, it, I thought the little side story was a little odd, but I'm sure it, it'll come back into play at some. Are you point. talking about on the island with yeah. the bonfire? Yeah, I love that story. I did too, but it felt like yeah. it almost felt like a fill, like something that you put between arcs rather than uh-huh. in the middle right. of the story. But I'm right. sure it'll come into play somehow. Um, this is Kieran Gillen, and I mean no disrespect to Kieran Gillen. This is Kieran Gillen doing his best, Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I, I agree. There is a there particularly with the uh, the little two page spread of the history you know, of the Eternals. Yeah, and I'm like, oh man, this is so Hickman. Yeah, this is this is Kieran Gillen going, huh? You know, reading uh, uh, Secret War, going, huh? I yeah. can do some of this shit in my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I feel like Kieran Gillen is doing a better or Jonathan Hickman than Jonathan Hickman's doing right now, especially because, quite frankly. There's, they're telling similar stories, right? You know, the X-Men with their island, you know, that that uses the technology so that they're reborn when they die, you know, and, and how that doesn't work for some characters or, you know, it doesn't work, you know, and that that's kind of this this ongoing threat there. It's, it's interesting to see the similarities between that storyline and this storyline, especially because this does very much feel... Uh, Jonathan Hickman-esque in nature but I you know but like I said this is Jonathan this is this is a good Jonathan Hickman um you know he doesn't while while Kieran Gillen certain certainly is prone to um to tangents he's not necessarily prone to not you know these nonsensical stories the same way that Hickman is um, so I, I, I really think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to carry on Eternals at least through the first arc. Um, I'm enjoying what I'm reading so far. The second issue definitely was better than the first for me. There is a fight early on in the book between Thanos and Icarus where they tumble through time. Mm-hmm. And I really need to see, you know, in an issue of Marvel Comics, just one panel, you know, while Peter Parker is talking to Mary Jane and outside the window suddenly are Icarus and Thanos. And then the next panel, they're gone. You know, I just kind of need to see that somewhere else in the Marvel Universe, you know, just, you know, completely out of left field. Somebody turn around, what the hell? Did you see that? No, I didn't see anything. (laughs) I miss those kind of uh like that was one of the things I liked about Marvel's universe being so tied together right. was that you would have those little cameos and things that would, you know, there'd maybe be a note that says, if you want to know why that just happened, see this book. Exactly. But it didn't impact or hurt the book you were reading. Right. Yeah. I, I would love to see that. I, I really would. But uh, this book is fantastic. It's still early on guys. If you want to get in on this, this is issue two. All you got to do is pick up issue one. You are good to go. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, and I think we all read Taskmaster from Marvel, which, you know, for me, continues to be this, like, dark awesome. horse title uh, of, uh-huh. you know, that's just fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 Taskmaster just continues to scratch me right where I itch. I, I love the tone of this character. Um, I love how, <laughs> I love what kind of a wussy he is. You know, I mean, here is Taskmaster who can emulate everybody's moves. But, you know, there there is there's a reason why he's not a hero. He's not a hero because he's kind of a coward at heart, you know, and he, he you know, game recognized game. He uh, he's like, I, I understand this guy could just kill me. I understand Black Widow could just kill me. Uh, and I love that about him. I do. Yeah. I love that about him. One of the things I love about this book There's always that criticism of Batman that, 
you know, oh, well, if he has the time to plan, he can do it anything and he can right. beat anyone. And we see that with Taskmaster, that he's incredibly intelligent and comes up with these daring plans. And if he doesn't have his plan, then he doesn't feel confident that he can do it, that they won't uh, come back. And as a character flaw for him, I love that because it's being written really well. You know, he's he has knocked out Black Widow, but is afraid that if he tries to kill her, she might wake up. Well, and that's sort of the brilliant page in this book, because, you know, you can't kill. You, you don't want to kill your 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 superhero characters and you just got to resurrect her again at some other time. But the the I think the way almost any other writer would hit this story was that, you know, Taskmaster finds a conscience and decides not to kill the superhero. That's not what happens here. It happens here. What happens here is him going, you know, if I kill her, they're all coming for me. I won't just have Black Widow on my tail. They'll all be after me. And, you know, I I just I I love Taskmaster is so self-serving, right? He's making decisions that are best for him and damn everybody else. I, I'm I'm just fascinated by this book, and I, again, it was just like, like Paul said, it's a dark horse book. It is not dark horse publishing, uh, a, a dark horse meaning that uh, you know no no one was expecting it, nobody was cheering for it, and yet here it is being awesome and wonderful, uh, all at the same time. Yeah, love it. So highly recommend it. Definitely pick that up. And beautifully drawn. I oh mean, yeah, Alessandro Viti. Um, you know, I was a fan of his. Speaking of Hickman, uh, from the Secret Warriors days, uh, mm-hmm. he is perfect on this book. Yeah, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Well, Aaron, sir, are you going? You to... know, well, I, Paul. Yes, Paul. Yes, I I didn't. I you know, inside baseball. I, uh, that's also a sports ball metaphor. Uh, <laughs> it's on the outline, which is why I didn't just immediately go into, Hey Paul, oh. what's coming out next week? Well, next week in comic stores, we have a number of new things, including new issues of DC future state books. Uh, unfortunately, none of the stuff we're actually reading. So skipping ahead. Um, we also have from Marvel comics, new issues of Iron Man. Is anyone going to be picking up Iron Man issue six? I know, we had some I, of you had mixed I I feelings. Am. I think I am. Okay, I'll be picking I'm, it up. I enjoyed issue five. Yeah, I'm not sure. There were, I really enjoyed the issue before the last one, and the last one kind of just annoyed me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pick up issue six. I'm also going to be picking up issue four of King in Black. I know no one is reading that except Andrew, uh, and Andrew will not be on next week's podcast, so we'll just have to chat about it when he returns. So, Paul, admission after you and Andrew talked about issue two, I've read issue two and three. I'm I'm caught up on it. So you're going to pick up issue four? I will be picking up issue four. Yes. All right. King in Black conversation next week. Additionally, I just want to go on. I want to go on record. Stupid Andrew. Worst Andrew. Just saying. <laughs> we will also be picking up issue 12 of Thor featuring part four yes. of the Prey storyline. Yes. Um, and one thing that you should be picking up is Strange Academy First Class. Uh, it is the trade paperback of the first six issues of Strange Academy that, for those of us who are reading it on the podcast, absolutely adore. Highly recommended. Yeah. Terrific um, book. And from other publishers, we also have Miskatonic Issue 4 from Aftershock Comics. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Rat, The the Rast, The Last Ronin. (laughs) 
<laughs> I had been wondering Logan. when it was, when the next issue was coming out because I was just thinking about that book the other day. I guess it's bi monthly. Um, yeah, so the last Ronin issue two from Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, Tom Waltz. Um, you know, it does come out next week. Yeah, I'll, I want to also throw out the book that everyone should have bought this week that we reviewed a week or two ago radium black number oh, one yes yes it officially came out this week we reviewed it as you know our previous stars our press copies but i personally went out and bought it anyway to support it and spend my money on the book because it was that good i did the same and next week we'll be hitting you with our advanced review of Noctera, the new creator-owned book from Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel, also from Image Comics. We were I, able got to... read... I read that last night. Uh, I did I too, our, and our I forgot to put it on our outline today. So <laughs> next week, Noctera. Yeah. It's still going to be an advanced review. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it then. Uh, but also, uh, you know, uh, coming soon... Uh, which I thought it was this following week, but my error, it's actually February 23rd, Superman and Lois, the first episode coming to the CW, already getting very, very positive reviews. Uh, so look forward to that conversation from us in the coming weeks. Very good. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books and how cold it is where you are. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. It's a very warm message so while you're you know out there shivering in the cold you can be warmed by the uh, iom geek uh, outgoing message uh, leave us a message if we use your voicemail on the show you could win a coveted valuable warm ideology of madness surprise you can also hit us up on our social media iom geek on facebook instagram or twitter all right guys we'll see you back here next week for our noctera discussion should be good catch you then Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Mm-hmm.